and I kind of bond with the misfits and the outcast and I try to find something special in them and try to bring that to the forefront so that their experience isn't the same as what I had. Welcome to the Please Raise Your Virtual Hand podcast. We are so delighted to dive into the exciting, challenging, and sometimes messy world of virtual learning, where nothing is impossible and redefining student success is possible. Low Country Education Consortium aims to open up new possibilities for parents, students, and our business and industry partners as we fundamentally transform learning for students. We will hold your virtual hand throughout this series where we will discuss the world of virtual learning and how we are preparing our students for college, careers, and jobs that haven't been created yet. Virtual learning may be new to you, but it's here to stay. So let's get started. Hello, I'm your host, Amy McKenzie, and today we have a great episode for you. We're going to take some time to learn about one of our behind-the-scenes podcasters. Caitlin Hardwick is our editor and sound engineer on Please Raise Your Virtual Hand, and she's also a science teacher at Low Country Virtual. In today's episode, we are going to get to know more about Caitlin as a teacher, a tech genius, and an all-around great coworker. She's going to tell us some tips and tricks to keeping virtual students learning and engaged, and we'll get the chance to listen in on one of her amazing lessons. So, Caitlin, are you ready to get started? Yes, Amy, let's get going. So, Caitlin, to start off, we'd all love to hear about your background and your years of experience in education. So I have a bachelor's degree in middle-level education with a concentration in math and science from the University of South Carolina, the so Gocock. And then I have a master's degree in instructional technology from Coastal Carolina University. I've been teaching for almost eight years with two of those years being in virtual school. And during those eight years, I've taught math, science, coding, robotics, and broadcast journalism. Just kind of like everything, right? Just a little, yeah, handful of it all. Awesome. So when did you realize that you were meant to be a teacher? So growing up, I had always struggled in school. I was a terrible test taker. I just couldn't grasp concepts quite as well as my friends were able to. Then when I had gotten to college, I realized that I didn't really know how to learn. I didn't know how to study. Um, Luckily, I was at an age where I was determined to succeed by any means necessary. So I did have to figure out my own ways of learning and how I could study that was suited best for me. So um, just going through this struggle, I think that it led me into education and I wanted to be able to help others who struggled in the same way that I did. Wow. That's great. I think I think a lot of teachers can probably relate to that as as being someone who's motivated to learn how to learn. So you said that you've taught multiple different subjects and you've taught math and science and coding. 
You started your career off in middle school in a face-to-face setting, and now you teach middle school science at Low Country Virtual. What is it about middle school that you're so drawn to? So anytime I tell anybody that I teach middle school, I automatically get a bless you. You're better than me. (laughs) Yes. So I think that middle school has like a negative connotation around it. Um, And to be honest, I also hated my middle school experience as a student. I despised those years. Um, But I think that's what draws me to teach in middle school now um, because it's the quirkier years for students. They're developing as individuals, as well as learning about themselves. They're at a crossroads um, between like popularity and friendships. And so I empathize with that and what they're experiencing. And I kind of bond with the misfits and the outcasts. And I try to find something special in them and try to bring that to the forefront so that their experience isn't the same as what I had. I love that. You know, I can really relate to that because I feel like I was the oddball in middle school, but also I feel like maybe everyone thinks that. Yes. Yes. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think a lot of people I talk to when I say I teach middle school, they give me that same reaction of, oh my goodness. And so I think middle school is a hard time and I can see why you'd be drawn to teaching kids that age. So Just to give our audience a little more background information on Caitlin and I's relationship, we are actually planning partners um, in the 21-22 school year. We both taught sixth grade science. So I know for a fact that something you are very passionate about is providing those hands-on learning experiences for your students. I'm actually going to play a quick 30-second clip from a density tower experiment that Caitlin did with her virtual students. All right, so we have these over here that we have determined is thicker than this water, which these over here are thinner than the water, all right? So we can kind of determine that We might need to add these first in the water, then these. Don't you think? We need to add our thicker liquids first because the thicker liquids are more dense. All right. So now that we've determined that, out of these, which one do you think we're going to put first? So. If I were to continue playing this clip for our audience, they would hear you walking your students through step by step as you did this experiment and they physically did this experiment at home, all with materials like water, honey, and dish soap that they could find lying around their house. Now, I have to imagine that there are thousands of density tower videos on YouTube. Can you explain to our listeners, why didn't you just play them a video? I think in science that hands-on activities encourage students to actually do something. Um, For example, in this experiment, they were able to observe the different densities in the liquid by seeing which liquid liquid was thicker, which was thinner. Um, In other activities that we've done in my classes, they, when we're talking about physical properties, they're able to 
touch the material and feel the different properties in certain um, materials. In other instances, they've been able to taste the difference in Kool-Aid. Um, when we were discussing the placebo effect, they can also, they've also been able to smell the different odors in a chemical reaction, such as burning sugar. So I think it all boils down to the fact that when students are encouraged to physically do something during the learning process, they're able to use all their senses. And in turn, more parts of their brain are involved, which enhances retention retention. I can see them definitely learning more by doing. Do they love doing these activities? Oh, 100%. They're excited and they want to show me what their experiment looks like at the end of it. So it's fun and it's fun to share at the end. Absolutely. So for our audience, if I were to continue playing that clip, just like Caitlin says, at the end, they are all, you know, pressing that hand raise button and waiting to get their turn to show Miss Hardwick their density tower that they've completed at home. And so they get so excited. And I'm sure that's a really, really wonderful thing for you guys to provide for your students at Low Country Virtual because they're virtual and they deserve those hands-on experiences and those, you know, fun science memories. Yes, for sure. But we do have to remember to, um, for any experiences we have, we have to try to think about what the students would have at home that we could tie into the classroom. And thankfully with science, that is able, like capable of being done. That's great. Yeah. And that also brings to the mind um, an opportunity for every single student. So like in that density tower, you're using what kind of liquids? Um, so we used oil, we used dish soap. And I told the students they could use any kind of oil because I assumed like they had to have at least one kind of oil, such as yeah. vegetable oil, olive oil, baby oil. And so it's really something that, you know, every kid can get their hands on. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. I gave them a list of different um, substances and I said, like, choose whatever you had at your house. Please don't go out and buy anything. Yeah, don't go out and buy anything because you could find it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you clearly are an awesome science teacher. But for our listeners who may not know, you also have taught coding at Low Country Virtual. And the way that those coding classes work is every single quarter, you get a new class. And with that new class, it's in a new grade level. So throughout the year, you actually end up teaching every grade level at Low Country Virtual. And that's kindergarten all the way up to eighth graders. I'm wondering, what is it like for you to teach such a wide range of age groups? I will say it's been so much fun. But it has also been a learning experience for me. I think that every quarter I've had to tweak and change for the next quarter. So the first um, quarter I taught 6th, 7th, and 8th. And then second quarter I taught just 6th and 7th. And um, so that first semester I did um, have a little bit of difficult curriculum that I threw at the students, but they were able to rise to the occasion and um, successfully learn how to build their own personal websites using HTML wow. and CSS coding. So it was fun and it was, it was awesome seeing what they created. However, yeah. that led me to second semester where I knew I needed to rethink my curriculum. So um, I definitely, um, 
decreased the difficulty level extremely for the third quarter. Um, but I think that my students still struggled a little bit. And so when quarter four started, I, I kind of just like stepped back and punted from the beginning. And I knew I needed to find something that my kindergartners and first and second graders could do. Um, but still learn at the same time. And I will be honest, and I know that some of our teachers at Low Country Virtual um, had seen me freaking out about <laughs> about teaching kindergarten first and second. I just, I mean. Yeah, when you're used to teenagers, uh, you know, a six-year-old is a big change. Yes. And I am, I've said this before. I'm not that, um, I can't get into a meet and be like, hey, how are you doing? So, and some of our low country virtual kindergarten through third grade teachers, they are like the bubbliest, kindest, happiest people I've ever met. Yes, they are. And so I thought that I wasn't that like, oh, hey, how are you doing kind of teacher. But like now after we're almost the end of the quarter four and I, I can be that I can shift into that. And it's been fun just to see these kindergartners in first and second and even third and fourth and they're all so excited it can be the end of the day and they've had a long school day and they're so excited to be there so that's been uh it's been fun to learn how to teach that age group and just get to experience them because I'd never really experienced teaching that age group prior to this I think I can totally relate because I have taught middle school my whole career. And if they told me next year, I'd be teaching, you know, first grade, I think I would be a little nervous too. But I I know that you rose to that occasion and that you were an awesome kindergarten teacher to those coding kids. Yes, it has been fun. And I will say that I think the students have learned, but I also think that their learning coaches have um, taken away some coding skills that they've gotten from the class. So that's been fun as well. That is fun. So for our listeners, our learning coaches are what we call the parents of our LCV students. And we ask our learning coaches to be super involved in their child's academic experience, um, especially in those K through five grade levels. We love for our learning coaches to be um, present during live classes and to assist our students during their independent or asynchronous time. So that's awesome that those learning coaches now have some coding skills. Oh, for sure. For sure. It'll only advance from here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you said that your middle school age kids, they did a website. What did your K through five kids work on during that coding class? In K through five, we've just been learning the coding basics. So what does algorithm mean? Um, what does programming mean? Um, and how to just like put code to patterns and using loops, just some of the basics that you would learn in any basic coding class, I guess. That's great. Cause I know, I know, um, in math, in some of those early grades, they're really focusing on learning patterns and, and kind of getting that type of situation together in their minds. What is a pattern? What does a pattern look like? So that coding class probably helps their math teachers out a lot. Oh, for sure. And I will, um, so at the, the very first class that I had with my elementary kids, I, um, had given them a puzzle and it was just a, a, rectangle with some squares um, on a jam board. And so the students had to figure out how to get the little animated creature in one of the squares to the, a piece of fruit in another square. 
And so they had to like tell me which direction to go. So right, left, up, down. And um, so we were able to build on that in the next classes and show I was able to show them like the blocks that you can use um, to be able to code the creature to get to the fruit on the website. That's great. I'm sure they loved learning all of that and could really apply it. And I, I can't even wait to see what they do next year and build on their knowledge that you've given them this year. Yes, I am the same way. I'm excited to see where they will go with all of this knowledge. So one thing that you are very well known for within the LCV community is being a tech genius. And I don't say that lightly. Caitlin is our tech genius. So do you think technology skills are something that you either have or you don't have? I do not think that technology skills is something you just are born with. Um, I think that everyone, no matter their age, can learn how to use technology. Um, If you were to ask someone that's requested tech assistance from me, the first thing they're going to tell you is I sent them a tutorial video. Um, When a student meets with me and is asking for assistance, the first thing I tell them is present their screen. I want to be able to walk them through it, but I want them to actually do it. I guess it's, um, I guess I live by the saying, like, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man a fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. I think the same thing applies to technology skills. That's awesome. I, I feel like I agree with you. I think a lot of people are capable of doing more with technology than they think they are. Mm-hmm. And I think we can probably see that even in our own learning community. Low country virtual teachers are very willing to share with one another. And I feel like just from what some of my coworkers have shared that I've learned new skills and definitely working with Caitlin, I've learned so many new tech skills over the course of this past year. I think that goes hand in hand for us, Amy. I feel like I learned a lot from you as well. Oh, well, you know what? We make a good team. (laughs) We do. So the last question I'm going to ask you today, do you have any advice for either new teachers that are entering the world of education or teachers that are new to the virtual world? So um, had you asked me um, in my first two years if I would be where I am today as far as my accomplishments and awards, I would have said you were absolutely crazy. There's no way. Um, I, I struggled my first two years of teaching, but I think that the most important thing to remember is to not settle, to not get comfortable with something and just make it a routine. Um, this will be advice I would give to new and old teachers alike. You need to work harder and learn harder. You make a commitment when you become a teacher. You are committed to being a lifelong learner. And so you need to not let go of that commitment and continue to strive to be the best educator you can be. Don't ever think that you've reached the end because there's always more for you to learn and ways for you to grow. I love that. Absolutely. You know, I think that... When I tell people I'm a teacher, they're like, oh, you're going to be in school for the rest of your life. And, you know, they mean it like I'm physically going to be sitting in school for the rest of my life. But it's so true that when you become a teacher, you are, you know, making a promise and dedicating yourself to being a a continual learner. You have to learn 
not only, you know, what works for the specific kids you're teaching that year, but but what works for the content you're teaching, what works for your style of teaching, and, and you always have to learn those best practices and, and keep up to date. So I totally agree with you on that, Caitlin. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for letting us get to know you better and inspiring us to be the best teachers that we can be. If you are interested in learning more from Caitlin, you can follow her on Twitter at Mrs. C.B. Hardwick. That's M-R-S-C-B Hardwick. And if you haven't done so already, please make sure to follow Low Country Virtual's Twitter account at LC Virtual School, because we are always sharing the inspiring things that Caitlin and all of our amazing teachers are doing within our community. This podcast is written, hosted, edited, and produced by a team of educators from the Low Country Education Consortium. Amy, Caitlin, Matt, and Meg are proud to bring you Please Raise Your Virtual Hand.